Okay, welcome to the All Out Football podcast once again. And for this episode, we're talking about Watford because in the last couple of days, Watford have got rid of their manager, Claudia Ranieri. And I'm joined by David Robinson, of course. Uh, All Out Football writers and listeners to the podcast know that David is a senior editor alongside me. And we're joined by John, John Fowl. Is that how you say your second name, John? Yeah, that's right. And John, you're from the Watford Supporters Trust. So welcome to I the am. pod. Welcome Thank to you. the pod. Let's start, let's start with you, David, as a Watford fan, and of course, alongside as, as a senior editor for All Out Football. Claudia Ranieri, I think from what I'm reading from the forums and the reaction from lots of Watford fans, it was the right decision for him to go. I think it was the right decision in the end. Uh, well, if you lose 3-0 to Norwich, um, yeah, it's a sackable offence almost in itself. Um, no disrespect to Norwich. But it's it's just not worked out. Um, there were times where you could sort of see Ranieri was, had the right sort of ideas. And um, at one point, we were a really high-pressing energy team who looked like we were starting to to go in the right direction and and you know if the last sort of five or six games we've we've just looked um really shoddy um so yeah there was pretty much no hope i think we would just sort of sleepwalking towards relegation um so yeah it, it had to happen unfortunately let's put some statistics in so 14 games in charge only two wins and Two of those wins were against Everton, 5-2 at Everton, and also that 4-1 win at home to Manchester United, which, of course, saw the end of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. John, I think there is also a case, considering that he was at Fulham before Ranieri. I know we uh, putting Leicester City aside and his amazing achievement at Leicester, but when he was at Fulham, he didn't do a great job at Fulham to try and keep them up. So there is a question here, John, whether Claudio Ranieri is actually the right appointment in the first place. Yeah, I, I think there's a touch of a gamble in that because um, he, he's he been in a position where he's done really well um, with, with some teams and he's been able to get the players to play his way and, and go with him. But there seems to be, with the reports coming out, the players didn't like various aspects of training and whether he was actually hands-on on the training pitch and so on. But Having said that, you know, they ought to be more professional about things. But one wonders a little bit about the decision to go with Claudio Ranieri. I have to say, I was, I was actually quite pleased. I, I met him years ago and he's a smashing guy and he clearly knows what he's talking about and so on. But the ability to be able to uh, make these players who are struggling do what he wants them to seems to be a little bit intermittent. But what I don't understand is he got the performance he did at Everton and, and against Manchester United. You know, they destroyed Manchester United. And then the next game, they're rubbish. They're all over the place. And, and I just do not understand how that can happen. But you feel that perhaps the decision to go with Claudio Ranieri had a lot to do with the fact that they know him or uh, the Pozzos know him and they they trust him to do what they wanted to do 
Now, that isn't necessarily the same as being able to deliver things on, on the field. Um, so I, in with the height, 2020 hindsight, which is wonderful for all of us, um, it, it's, it's a slightly strange appointment. Uh, and there were statements in the press and, uh, uh, hang on, uh, and on the, uh, uh, the various posts and stuff that um, he, he uh, really wasn't able to do it after the Fulham uh, example. David, I think that I'm sure you probably won't disagree with much of what John said there. I, no, I completely agree. Um, I think the main point really that I want to make is that, you know, we're obviously having this discussion about head coaches and their influence on the team, but but really Ranieri wasn't really given the tools um, no. during his time here. Um, we can talk about some of the decisions that he's made, possibly not um, being the most you know effective. Um, we can talk about you know, him sort of seemingly creating a style that I referred to earlier about us being a really high energy and pressing team and then changing it and sort of disrupting the momentum in that regard. But ultimately, he just hasn't had the the players to get the results. And, you know, we've seen that um, with Minos at the start of the season. And, you know, obviously it now leaves the question as to whether Roy Hodgson can get anything out of them. But... So um, the, the overall balance of the squad um, is poor and and therefore, you know, Ranieri, it's, um, he's not the biggest, um, you know, reason to blame for Watford finding themselves in the relegation zone at this point, I think anyway. I'd, I would agree with that. I, I don't think you can blame him I think the the writing was rather on the wall beforehand uh, and we were slow we decided we were going to trust the defenders we had despite the fact that I think most people could see that those defenders were struggling they made it in the championship but once you hit the Premier League it's a whole different ballpark and perhaps uh, so long as they they if they'd done something about that at that time it would have helped the other thing for for Ranieri that was difficult is that they they seem to have gambled everything on loser filling the role of the player that can be the pivot between forward play and the defense taking the ball sideways on and finding a pass um, we don't seem to have anybody else who's capable of doing that. And he was always going to take a little while to settle in, as many players do when they come to a new country, new setup and all the rest of it. Um, and so it was quite a big gamble. And, and I, that's tough on Ranieri. When he had loser there playing well, they played well. If I can just add to that, I think the word gamble is perfect for, for Watford this season because I think there's gambles all over the pitch and some have paid off, like Emmanuel Dennis signing for three million. You know, obviously it's been a revelation. Um, you know, someone that's previously sort of been taught to have a, a bit of an attitude problem. 
And then obviously the flip side is is you sort of Danny Roses, you know, who had an opportunity to prove himself and it's completely backfired. So, you know, when looking at Watford's back in the Premier League this time, they've, you know, they've just had to try their best to compete on limited funds compared to, you know, most teams in the division. Um, and what we've ended up seeing is a, a really unbalanced squad, um, you know, and it's not been ideal um, even more so with, with injuries. And, and as, as John says, right. getting their, their biggest transfer um, up to speed of it all. So um, it's been a bit messy, I think, in patches. Well, I think another point to be made, uh, David and John, is that uh, Zisco Munoz, who is there, who brought the club back into the Premier League after, of course, a season where with uh, ravaged by COVID and no fans were able to see it. That's one of his, that was an achievement under him. A shame that no Watford fan was able to see it. But I think, David, as I think you'll probably point out, is that he won the opening game against Villa 3-2, went to Norwich and won 3-1, and he was sacked and the club was 14th, 14th in the table. It wasn't looking too bad. So I think at the time when that news came that he was sacked, it was bizarre. Uh, on the face of it, I'm sure, like, as most of the sort of population, really, um, they see it that way. But they're, they're not the ones that see the performances week in, week out. And and at that period, I think it was only seven games in, we played some poor opposition, sort of including Newcastle and those sort of teams at home. The performances were way below um, par. And, and, you know, it sort of ended miserably with a truly awful performance against Leeds um, so while we were in that position it was a it was a full sense of security really and um, yeah to, to have a man so inexperienced at that level um, I think the writing was on the wall probably from the start of the season but we, we sort of had to give him a chance and it, it's a shame but it, it didn't work out um, yeah and we, we can't really look in hindsight and say would Munoz have done any better because for me, the performances were so bad that, um, yeah, it's easy to say that now. Um, I don't think it would have been any better, personally. John? The performances had gone down and we didn't look a very comfortable side. And it seemed that we were performing worse against the poorer sides than we were against the better sides. And that's not a good sign for a club that, or a team that's that's likely to be in a, a battle anyway. It wasn't as though they looked as though they're going to take the Prem by storm. So I, I can understand that. I, what I slightly didn't understand is why they didn't change the coach in the close season, which had been a, a past record. Now, w- when they've done that in the past, it's it's worked out not too badly, except for Ivic. Um, but when they've left a coach there and not seen there is a problem, and that happened before, when we could see a problem when we went to the cup final, it was written in big letters, the defence is not defending. And nothing was done about that at the time. So we didn't strengthen where we were clearly weak. And we had, we had good players in midfield. Now, the club have always said, oh, you know, it's really important to have a, a world-class midfield. But 
but a world-class midfield on their own can't do it all. You need to have other players who can fill in, can defend, can provide a solid base for that midfield to progress. And, and, and we didn't have that. And, and I think that whereas we've got some quite good midfielders, we shook things up and, and really being able to pull that together and blend them into a, a team uh, didn't look as though it was going to happen. Let's move on now to, obviously, the main talking point is the owners, the Pozzo family. Now, this is now, to be honest, I, I sort of, I laugh about, about it because there, there have been some fans who've come on about it saying that Watford are now the laughing stock of English football because the amount of managers that have gone through. Claudio Ranieri sacking is the 15th Watford managerial change under the ownership of the Pozzo family. I can go through the whole list. Sean Dyche, Giovanni Zola, Beppe Sanino, Oscar Garcia, Billy McKinley, Savicio Kanovic, Walter Mazzari, Marco Silva, Javi Garcia, Nigel Pearson, Vladimir Ivic, Cisco Munoz, Claudio Ranieri, and two spells, of course, for Kike Sanchez-Flores. John, these owners at the Pozzo family, is there an argument to be made that, that they're either unsustainable, but before relegation in 2020, there was continuous seasons in the Premier League. So have they actually been successful to keep the club in the Premier League? And now, of course, moving forward, if they if Roy Hodgson does keep the club up, then surely they'll be seen as a success, won't they? I think that they were successful. Um, but for a small club, you're always on a little bit of a knife edge in regard to that success in the Premier League because you're up against uh, so many clubs with resources vastly superior to ours. But they've been quite smart. They've brought, they managed to find players and bring them in. Some of them, have been slightly unfortunate. You know, when you look at uh, Marco Silva, everybody thought that was the most wonderful appointment. Uh, and um, he had his head turned pretty well straight away by Everton uh, courting him. We had um, Richarlison. Richarlison is, without Richarlison, Everton are nothing. So we're in the position that we lost players that we perhaps would not have would have preferred not to have lost. Um, it, it, it becomes difficult like that. We've also managed to bring in, or they have brought in, uh, Jao Pedro. And Jao Pedro is proving to be quite something. You know, he's a real success story. And I think Cucho uh, Hernandez is as well. And Cucho and Hernandez has got something about him which we long for. He's fun. He really is fun to watch he'll try things he's got enthusiasm he'll always put a lot of effort in and, and he will do things so they, they, they've done a lot that's right and they've managed to maintain the finances of the club they've done very well with that the club is so much more stable we've got a, a much better ground than the, we we had before we've got fantastic training facilities so as owners, I, I, I wouldn't want to lose them because they've done an awful lot of fantastic things. In terms, of the, managers, buy... in terms of the managers, John, taking them, only giving a manager six months or I don't know what the I, average average for yeah. stay for a manager well, is eight months. But also, the, I remember the decision 
with Kike Sanchez Flores. He got the club to an FA Cup semi-final, a decent first season back in the Premier League, and they sacked him. So you can understand why people think that, that they actually think straight. Uh, they think about what can be, what can the manager do or the, the coach, because it's a coach, not a manager. Hmm. Um, what can they do uh, with a different set of players because they tried to upgrade every time. Mm. Now, whether Sanchez Flores, Sanchez Flores actually played a much more defensive game. And, and that was his, really his approach. And I think that when you had those defenders, that was good, but you've then got to start scoring goals because otherwise you don't manage to stay in the Premier League for very long. Mm. Uh, and teams will suss you out pretty quickly. So I, at times it looks really bad. And I think Ivic was a mistake. Why he was a mistake, I don't know. I don't know whether they did the, the due diligence well enough, but he certainly was not cutting it in, even in the championship. And he did not seem to be the right man for the job. But when you go back to the early stage, um, I thought that... Uh, it, it, when when we got promotion, there was a lot of things said about the number of, uh, of coaches that had been through. But for three of them, one was he started and then had a heart problem and had to, to leave. He was replaced. Now, I didn't understand that, making his uh, appointment, his uh, assistant uh, coach and not giving him any time. I think that was a mistake. And I think one or two mistakes have been made along the way. But the, the idea is good enough as long as you can think it through properly. I, I wonder whether there's too much of an involvement of, of agents, but that's just my opinion. And let, me, let me go back to David. David, did, does John have a point there that the Watford have been... Obviously, I, say, I go back before the relegation in 2020 during the year of obviously code restrictions yeah. but before that five five to six years in the top flight sustained i mean of course there are clubs in the championship right now who are desperately trying to get back in the premier league watford any club in the championship now would give their right arm to be back in the premier league and watford are there at the moment does john have a point that it's been sustained it's been successful and sustainable because of obviously as john said the stadium the, and the, the quality of players that have been in, been at the club over the years as well if you look overall at the, that overall tenure it has completely been a success you know on the face of it they the relegation they suffered was you know a freak in many ways if you look at the circumstances surrounding that season and then they were really dealt a huge task of getting straight back up, which was massive financially for the club. And, you know, they kept Ismail Asar and, and you know, they built a, a very good squad to, you know, to go back up and, and, and they achieved that. So really, um, it's been a huge success. And you look at the, the Premier League at the minute, and in in its own way, it's 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 like a super league. You've got mid-table clubs bringing on thirty million, forty million pound players, and Watford can't really compete with that. So, of course, they have to find like a different strategy to just survive. You know, that's the thing. Now, my expectations in this league have completely changed. 
Um, the frustration really lies with the owners from a Watford point of view in that we don't think it's, we think it's run its course with the changing of managers. Um, we don't really have a style and yeah, we're not sure how long this can keep on going for. Um, so that is the issue um, going forwards, of course. But, you know, when you look at that, we're still in the in the mix um, to stay up. And, and obviously, if we were to stay up, that would be a, a fantastic achievement. It's um, it's just now building a real strategy, which I think the, the puzzles of really that, that one guy, they, um, yeah, it seems to be a bit hit and hope. Um, you know, in recent times. And I think that's where the issue is. Um, if you look at the overall success, that's there. But I think as a club and as a fan base, we're probably um, envisaging hard times ahead if they don't don't change their ways at this point. Yes, I don't think I'd disagree with that. Um, and particularly the point, there needs to be some sort of identifiable style. Um, because if you're going to have a, a coach who's using the resources he's given, you've got to have some sort of style that you're going to stick with. And you've got to recruit to support that style. Uh, otherwise, the coach can't do very much at all. And the coach down to tactics, you've got to leave the coach some flexibility. Otherwise, if the style isn't working, um, you're really in trouble because you can't change. So that there has to be flexibility built in. But I think that I, I think what David says is right. And, and I agree. I think that if we don't sit down and think through where things are going or the club don't sit down and, and work out where things are going, then, then we could have a very difficult time. Now, difficult time for us with the Pozzos um, an awful lot of clubs in the championship and elsewhere would think that was a wonderful time to have. Um, so, you know, we've got a very heightened expectation uh, and we've got to be a bit careful about that. I don't think any reasonable football fan would think that because there's, there, there are, I think there are uh, cases that some football fans, some football fans will think that the owners need to go some water fans will think that the owner should stay and they've done a good job. I think that, that there people have different views and they're of course they're entitled to them. But I don't think any football fan would think that Watford fans dream of having multi-million pound players and being in the Premier League every single season. So my my next question for both of you can answer one and then the other. What what do you expect as a Watford fan under the Potsos? Because I don't think there's no chance the Potsos are going to be going anytime soon. So David, what do you expect as a Watford fan? Uh, as I mentioned earlier, my, my real expectations have changed. Um, there, you know, it was it was only a few seasons ago since we were finishing, well, we were surviving comfortably in the Premier League, and we had um, players that were really better than the sort of. Um, size of the club really uh if you look at Delafeu as an example Decore uh Capu um yeah and, and we're bringing in sort of Ismail Asar for 30 plus million um those days are gone now for me um there's it's really just about surviving in the Premier League um whether that's being a yo-yo club um but I think the expectations 
with regards to the owners, just have to simply be an improvement and a recognition with their decision making. Um, because when we got relegated, they said that they they acknowledged their mistakes and they were ready to learn from them. The frustration I'd, I'd imagine among all fans is that they feel like they haven't really learned. And, and as John mentioned about before about the defence, it's been an issue for years um, in, in the centre-back position in particular. And again, no investment in that position. It's those sort of things which are the frustrating elements of the ownership model at the minute. Um, in terms of expectations, I, I wouldn't really expect any more than it currently is at the minute. Um, to be in a relegation fight, you simply have to be realistic. That being said, you look at a team like Brentford, um, very forward-thinking, and a very clear strategy um, and philosophy that everyone outside the club can see. But unfortunately, Watford are anything but at the minute. Um, that reflects in the players, the squad that they've built, and obviously the, the head coach as well. So, um, yeah, I think the expectations, you know, they have to be realistic. I think they probably are on the whole. Um, it's the way we go about things, which is the issue. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that as well. I, I think that there needs to be a much better connection with the fan base and and get them on board, feel that things are being looked after. Um, I think they are in terms of the stability of the club, but I think the fans need to feel much more a part of it all. Uh, uh, and that is, it was there and that's changed rather over the last couple or three seasons. Um, I, I know that for me, I'm I'm happy if we're in the lower half. I'd like us to stay in the in the Premier League, but being in the lower half of the Premier League and and staying in the league is okay. If we have an occasional good cup run and so on, that's okay. You know, I, I'm very happy with that. At one time, we we were in the situation that if we we were happy if we got near the playoffs in the Championship and had a cup run. And we're not talking about cup runs to the semi-final or the final. Uh, so, yeah, things things have changed. We've, we've moved on a bit here. So uh, that's okay. But we haven't to get, we mustn't get to the stage where our expectations are too great because we are a small club. So now Roy Hodgson is in. He's experienced. He's probably not. Not the most inspiring appointment. I think many neutrals would probably think that as well. Um, he's come out of retirement. We all thought he wasn't going to come back for, for another job, but he's, he's back in management again. Of course, he's a former England manager, Crystal Palace, uh, Fulham and West Brom. Um, John, he's a safe pair of hands. He's um, he, he's obviously been on TV quite recently on Sky Sports, talk about uh, transfers at all the clubs in, in, in the Premier League. So he's put himself back in the public domain when he's been on Sky Sports. It, it, it's temporary. It's only to the end of the season. So, John, a safe pair of hands? I think you would be hard-pressed to find a safer pair of hands mm. that you know have has the ability with Ray Lewington to save the club. And they're not changing it. There's just those two coming in. 
it's not a whole mass of additional coaches and fitness coaches and everything. So it looks like this is a holding plan while there's a rethink about where we go from here. And that's that's no bad thing. And that he's not exciting. OK, I'll live with that. If we stay in the Premier League, I can live with not exciting, uh, not flamboyant and all the rest of it. I just want us to stay there and then we can start to entertain. We've got a cracking forward line and they ought to be doing a, a, a lot more of the entertaining, but that's OK. You know, we've, we've got some fantastic players in there and you feel that Roy Hodgson might just be the man to be able to get them to play as a team and to develop a, a style that will get us through to the end of the season. David, safe pair of hands, experienced. I think there are lots of managers out there that fit fit the mould. Roy Hodgson is one of them. People are also suggesting Sam Ardice could have been an appointment. Um, so, as John says, it it's a it's it's an appointment which, if Roy does the job, then it's 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 a, it's a successful job. Yeah, um, it's it's a huge task. Um, I think there's an unbelievable stat saying that Watford haven't kept a clean sheet for about six. Um, and you know the last six managers haven't kept a Premier League clean sheet. Um, you know since it was actually since Watford beat Liverpool three 0 which was an absolute age ago. Um, so I think really, um. I don't really want to look too deeply into whoever was appointed. It's um, it's a task for, for anyone. Um, you know, certainly recently, um, Hodgson under under Palace were very organised, um, really a bit stale, if anything. Um, I just don't I just don't know whether that can be achieved with this defence. Um, you know, not just the defence, just as a unit defensively. Um, so you know, definitely important to note from you know, as John said, we've got we've got goals in our team from an individual point of view. We've got three really good forwards, like high-level forwards in Dennis King and you know Saar when he comes back. Um, we've got the supporting cast in Pedro and, and uh, Hernandez as well. So you know, we can win games, I think, with those players, but you know, the balance of the squad is something that he's gonna have to achieve. It's something that um, both Minaz and Ranieri haven't been able to get close to. Um, yeah, it, it could be a safe pair of hands, but it just it almost feels like we're just going in a bit of a cycle. Um, and I don't want to 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 look too too closely at it. Other than he's just going to have to give them another boost again. Um, and it's just um, it's one last roll of the dice in my in my book. Um, yeah, we've got to have a little bit of hope. And I think a new, a new man in charge has given me that uh, just about anyway. Well, I think one similar scenario you could give is that um, Harry Redknapp took the Birmingham job back in 2017 in the champ. I know it's the championship, not the Premier League, and he kept them up, he kept Birmingham up from relegation in League One. So again, it's a similar example. Experienced manager keeps a club up from relegation. So it could be a similar scenario uh, for Watford. Um, just looking ahead, uh, I'll come back to you both in a sec just to get your final thoughts. But in terms of Watford's uh, next couple of fixtures after the... It's, in, it's kind of an international break, but winter break. Burnley away, that's a, that's a key game at the bottom end of the table. West Ham away, 
Brighton at home, Aston Villa away, Manchester United away. So that's the next couple of fixtures in February. So final thoughts to both of you. Roy Hodgson's in charge. Very quickly, David, will he keep will he keep you up? He he won't do, no. Um, no, I just don't think we've got a well-rounded squad. Um, I don't think we've got enough grit um, in comparison to Burnley, for example. I don't think we've got the funds like Newcastle have. So I think we're yeah we're fighting a losing battle. I'm afraid. Um, you don't think you into... don't think that other clubs have thought? Oh, they've brought in a very experienced manager. Manager here, we've got to be a bit worried here. Unfortunately, the manager can't can't go out and keep a clean sheet himself. Um, you know, if yeah, he'd probably have just as good a chance if if he went out on the pitch as some of our defenders this season. But no, unfortunately, um, I think I'm. I'm trying to be realistic, really, as, as to what I'm expecting. Um, but I'm very open-minded to be pleasantly surprised. John, are you optimistic? Optimistic. I, I'm, I'm, I'll tell you after the next couple of games <laughs> <laughs> whether I'm optimistic or not. Um, it, 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 it's got the possibility. We've recruited some good players in the at the beginning of the uh, the window, and and that's important. Uh, we're going to get some players back from injury. Etebo, for example, um, defensively is a defensive midfielder. We've got others coming back who will be a real benefit. Um, assuming that uh, Senegal don't uh, make sure that Saar plays when he's not fit, um, and I have real concerns about that, uh, then we get Saar back. And once he's fully fit, He'll be ready and raring to go. And I think he will want to show what he's capable of because if he's in for a big money move in the summer, he could, you know, get a really good club to go to. And he want, he might want to do that with a bit of luck. So there's possibilities uh, and we'll see what happens. I, the other one is um, Trouste Kong. He's had a, a good uh, AFCON. And he looked comfortable. He looked dominant for them. And, and in his lack of confidence previously was a concern. But maybe with a bit of confidence built at AFCON, he will be able to come back in. And, and he is more of a leader than the other defenders that we've got around. He shouts, he calls. And, and I think we've, we've lacked leadership on the pitch. Uh, obvious leaders... And that is that's an issue. That's my big concern. I would, I would join David in in some concerns of being a little less uh, enthusiastic and and positive if we had more leaders. And and we do need those leaders. There's, I'm not saying that Troy Deeney should still be there, but there's a Deeney-shaped hole. Um, somebody who will get the other players and chase them round and grab them by the scruff of the neck and encourage them and get them to do the right things. When they make a mistake, put an arm around their shoulder and so on. Danny Rose was supposed to do that, but it never worked out. And I think that Danny's well-publicized uh, problems with depression and mental health have not helped there. It was a gamble uh, and a gamble that hasn't worked. But let's see. Let's see. I think it's a, a bit more positive than it was before. Um, and I think now a new, uh, and the club are talking, a new manager, 
as opposed to just a new coach, might well be able to give them a bit of a boost. And if they can get started and have a couple of good results, then who knows? I think there was a case that when Roy Hodgson was at Palace, he lost his first seven games and he still kept them up. So I think that I think he's got to be given a little bit of time. Of course, he hasn't got a lot of time, but we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. We're, we've run out of time, I'm afraid, David and John. But thank you for joining me on the All Out Football podcast. Um, don't forget that All Out Football is a football website for opinions. And of course, uh, people write features as well. Um, uh, Palsy, uh, David, keeps writing our Premier League uh, picks every week and he's been brilliant. So a big up to, to Paul Hover for our uh, All Out Football piece that he um, writes. And don't forget, you can get involved with All Out Football. It's not just for UK fans, but international fans can can have their voices heard as well. So thank you to David. Thank you to John for taking part and to those who listen and do check out the next episode when it arrives on all available uh, podcast providers, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. So thank you, uh, John. Thank you, David. And do catch up with the next episode of your release.